0: And, uh, Pastor Joshua really opened that sermon series in a very powerful way. If you missed it, I encourage you to go online to our website and you can get there now a new way, a shorter way, vision.today, if you want to go that way, or, um, eventually we're going to get rid of our restore the uh, domain. So, uh, get hip to that and, uh, you can go right on there and listen to it. He talked about, uh, how important it is to make plans and to follow God's leading in, in our life and what to do in our life. And, um, it was very motivational, very encouraging that we, that he has a plan and a future for us and that we need to get in line with his footing and to follow him to wherever he wants to go. One of the things that he said that touched me the most is he said, I may, he gave this illustration. He said, I may have a plan to get from this pulpit to that clock in the back of the sanctuary. And then he said, And I might be starting to go this way, but when we listen to God, God could say, go this way. And then he kind of weaved in and out of all the roles and eventually got to the, to the clock. But the point of his illustration was, um, we may know the, the direction God wants us or the plan that God has for our life, but we have to follow his direction. And so I thought it was very powerful. And so when, when pastor Josh told, told me that this is what he felt the Lord was calling us to to talk about in the next several weeks. I said, okay, Lord, and and when it's my turn to speak, what do you want me to speak about concerning what's next? And I kind of feel like I'm going to go in in a, a different direction today because the Lord said sometimes we need to know what to do when it's what's next when we're going through a rough time. And so the kind of the what next I'm talking about is kind of like when you're going through things, you know, we've all been there before where say the car breaks down and then you take it to the shop and it's more expensive than what you think it's going to be. And then you have to use money that you set aside for something else to fix that. And then lo and behold, your refrigerator broke down too. And then you, then your kids are having some problems and then you get a call from the doctor and you're going through some things and didn't realize you have a sickness that you're battling and you just want to throw your hands up in the air and say, what's next? That's the kind of what next I want to talk about today because friends, the truth is sometimes life can be hard and sometimes life can be messy and oftentimes as Christians, we only expect to, sometimes I think we're naive and we think that that going through life is going to be like sliding down rainbows and skipping through uh, lily pads and tulips and everything is going to be kind of like a Care Bear episode or something And, and the thing is life can be messy and we need to know that god's grace is not just the power to save us but to get us through it's in the empowerment of god and he wants us to learn on how to deal with things when things come against us and so we're going to talk about what to do when we want to throw our hands up in the air and say, Oh my goodness, Jesus, what's next? Have we ever been there before? Is it just been me? What's next? Okay. And so we're gonna break down that word next as an acrostic because you know that's how I like to do. And not only are we gonna break down the word next as an acrostic, but we're gonna learn from one person in the Bible that really could explain to us the whole concept of going to God and saying, What's next, Lord? And that's Joseph. And so we're gonna to go to the Old Testament. The very first book in the Bible, the book of Genesis, and I'm going to summarize a lot of the story of, of uh, the true account here of Joseph, but if you want to go back and read it all, it's from chapters 37 to 50, and so we're going to break down what's next and learn from the life of Joseph. The very first point here is when we are dealing with that, that time in our life where we're just a lot of things are going on, and we're like, oh man, okay God, what's next? We need to realize in that moment it's not about us. Oftentimes we think everything has to do with us. See, Joseph learned this the hard way. He had to learn the hard way that it wasn't about him. See, he was a young man, 17, and I'm just now a parent entering into uh, having teenage kids, and so I'm I'm learning some of this stuff. But one thing that I've observed is teenagers often, and I guess my mom and dad probably been through that before with me when I was a teenager, They think everything revolves around them. Any parents in the house been there, done that, right? Well, Joseph was a teenager when when all this stuff started to happen, 17 years old. And God started to speak to him. And God started to speak to him through dreams. Matter of fact, God gave him two dreams. How awesome is that to have a dream from God, first of all? And let me tell you, young people, God wants to speak to you now. Not when you're 30, not when you're 40, not when you're 50, but right now. Joseph was 17 years old when God spoke to him. Samuel was even younger, friends. God wants to speak to you. It doesn't matter what age or what state in life that you're in. God wants to speak to you. And so God began to speak to Joseph and gave him some dreams. Joseph uh, began to share his dreams with his family. Now, let me tell you, uh, years ago when we first planted the church, the Lord gave me a word, be careful who you share your dreams with, and he kind of took me to this, because sometimes God gives us a dream, and it's for us to ponder, it's for us to hide in our heart, like when God spoke to Mary about uh, that she was going to be pregnant with the, you know, through the Holy Spirit with Jesus, and she was a virgin, and she's like, what? But it says she pondered it, these things And treasured them in her heart and oftentimes when God gives us a dream that's what we're to do but in our youth and in our folly here like Joseph sometimes we want to go and say oh my goodness God spoke to me let me tell you and we can get discouraged because they're not feeling it the way like it came to us you know what i mean because it wasn't for us to go share so joseph he began to go share his dreams with his with his brothers and even with his mother and and father in his dream basically the the gist of it was that he saw his his family that he would be the ruler one day and he's the youngest and so listen the brothers already did not like him okay Let me, they were kind of jealous of him. Now you're going to go back and you're going to read, this is the joy rendition, okay, go back and read this in Genesis, but the brothers did not like him. Now some of you guys, you know, even especially those who were like hip and young in the seventies, you might remember Joseph, you know, in the, in the coat of many colors, right? Right. Okay, this is Joseph, and de- his dad decked him out with, like, the finest coat in that day. I'm talking better than Gucci or any other name brand, cool. I'm not that hip because I shop by, my name brands, Clarence, but I mean any other cool name brand designer. Someone throw out a designer's name, Clarence, okay? Better than anything. And he had this coat of many colors, and the brothers were quite jealous, and they did not like him. And so he's going around, opening his mouth about, well, you're, well, I'm going to be the ruler. And they're already, already jealous and I already don't like him. So long story short, they end up beating him up, basically throwing him into a pit. And they began to make a plan of how they were going to kill him. And then one of the brothers spoke up and said, you know, let's not kill him. And, here, and they saw some people coming by and they sold him into slavery instead. But lied and told the father, uh, Jacob, that he was dead. And so, Joseph went through some stuff. Can you say some stuff? I mean some. You talk about sibling rivalry. I mean, this is like to the next level of some stuff, right? At this point, he's probably throwing his hands up in the air like, God, you gave me the dream. I'm sharing what you gave me. What's next? My brothers beat me up. They throw me into a pit. They leave me there. They're talking about me. They're hating on me. And then all of a sudden... I'm in chains on my way to Egypt as a slave. Joseph had his dreams. What he had to realize is his dreams were less about his stature and more about God's sovereignty, friends. See, when God speaks to us, it has less to do with who we are and more to do with who he is. But oftentimes, when he speaks to us, we interpret it by, well, who are we? And we make it about us instead of about him. And that's why when we sing the song today, I Surrender All, it's so important. Because listen, God wants all of you, not part of you, all of you. And when he speaks to you, it's really about his sovereignty. It's about what he desires. And so Joseph, unfortunately, had to learn this. The hard way. Joseph was sold as a slave in Egypt and all kinds of terrible junk happened. And yet Joseph learned to keep the focus on God because he realized it was not about him. See, things didn't go as planned. He had a dream, but it didn't go as planned. Right? I understand this because there are times that God has spoken to, to me personally about some things. And it seems like it never quite happens the way. We plan it to happen. Matter of fact, 10 years ago, when the Lord, and before that, 15 years ago, when Pastor Joshua and I first got married, we knew it was on our heart to plant churches. And we thought we're gonna go to Cleveland. We thought we're gonna go do this and do that. And we never thought we would have planned it the way that we planted this church 10 years ago. And from that experience, I realized when God calls us to plant more churches, it's probably not gonna look like what we thought it was gonna look like because God's ways are above our ways, friends. And we have to trust that though we plan in our heart, the Lord determines our steps. And though God gives us dreams and he gives us visions, it doesn't happen the way we always think is going to happen. But God, friends, he is sufficient. The scripture, 2 Corinthians 4, 7 says, but we have these treasures of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not From us can you say not from us what's not from us the all-surpassing power of God it's not from us but we hold it in these jars of clay and it goes on in verse 8 it says we are hard-pressed on every side kind of sounds like what Joseph was going through right but not crushed perplexed but not in despair persecuted but not abandoned struck down but not destroyed friends. God's grace is sufficient. Things don't always go as plans. His ways are mysterious. His ways are higher than our ways, but he wants us to trust in his leading. We need to know that even when bad things happen, that he's there and that he's still good. And even when we go through things, when we go through uh, hard times, persecution, when we go through abandonment, rejection, when we go through times where we're broke, when we go through times where we feel hurt and frustrated and we're dealing with sickness, God's grace is sufficient. Second Corinthians twelve nine says, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Hmm. A little different than the superheroes we see, right? His power is made perfect in what? Weakness, friends. And then Paul goes on and says, Therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness, so that Christ's power may rest on me. See, Joseph learned his dreams were not about him. And we must learn that our dreams are not about us. When we are Christians, we belong to him. And everything is his. Everything. Even our dreams. See, friends, when we first come to the Lord, usually the first things we give up to the Lord are sin areas in our life. We give up maybe areas of uh, addiction that are ungodly addictions. We give up, you know, areas of, of, of uh, fits of rage and, and things of the flesh that we have to give up. But listen, as we go deeper to the Lord, we have to even surrender our dreams to him and our talents to him and our abilities to him. Because when we say, you are Lord, Okay? That's not just savior. We say, Lord, that means king, friends. And there's only one king and there's only one throne. And we have to constantly go before him and say, you know what? God, you know this is in my heart to do this. You know it's in my heart to start this business. You know it's in my heart to one day marry. You know it's in my heart to have children. You know it's in my heart to start churches. You know it's in my heart to finish my degree. You know it's in my heart to whatever it is. But then we have to say, but it's yours, God. I'm going to seek your kingdom first. I'm going to seek your righteousness first, and I'm going to surrender not just my sin issues, yes, let's do that, but even my dreams, because it's not about me. Can we say it's not about me? So Joseph had to learn this the hard way. Another thing that Joseph had had to learn when he wanted to throw his hands in the air and say, what's next, is he had to learn endurance. Can you say endurance? When things get tough, friends, we endure anyway. Endurance means the fact or power enduring or bearing pain, hardship. It's the ability or strength to continue or last, especially despite fatigue, stress, or other adverse conditions. It's stamina. We need that in the church, friends. It's the lasting quality, it's duration. It's something endured as hardship and trial. See, the scripture says, he who endures to the end shall be saved. We have it so confused in America that we think that we could come up and say a prayer and never change our lives and we're saved. But friends, the Bible says he who endures to the end will be saved. We want a prize. We want a crown, But we don't want to get in the game, friends. Come on. God is calling us to endure through all the things that we go through in life and to still give him glory, not just in the awesome times, but friends, in the rough times. Because it's in the rough times that God moves in us and, and perfects our character. So, friends, I gave you the short of the story. Now I'm going to go into more detail with Joseph, okay? So we left off with Joseph being sold into slavery, and he's on his way to Egypt. Well, in Egypt, he was bought by Potiphar, who was the captain of the guard of Pharaoh. So he was a high-positioned person in Egypt. And so Joseph um, began to prosper underneath him. He began to... Uh, excel in what he was doing as, as a slave. And he became kind of like the head over uh, Potiphar's household. And, and God blessed him even, even in his hard time. But yet Joseph was a young man and, and apparently very good looking because Potiphar's wife had the hots for him. I wish y'all could have seen Pastor Josh and I back in the day. We did this skit. It was quite fun playing Potiphar's wife. I'm just saying. Um, (laughs) And, of course, Pastor Josh was Joseph. But Potiphar's wife had the hots for Joseph. And she kept coming after him and trying to seduce him you know, and get him, obviously, to sleep with her, and he kept resisting. Well, one day, they got, he, she lusted after him so much. Listen, men, you are not the only ones who lust. I know Pastor Joshua talked about lust a few weeks ago and made it like it was only a man's problem, but listen, women lust, too, and it's something that we have to crucify. Well, Potiphar's wife was in that time in life that she was, uh, she was a coogler, I don't know, and <laughs> she was going for that young man, right? And what happened... When they got them, they, she got him in a compromising position where it was just her and him, and she tried to get him to sleep with her, and he resisted, and he did exactly what the Bible tells us to do. It says flee from sexual sin, and so he ran out the door. But friends, he didn't run out the door fast enough because she grabbed a, a hold of his coat. That coat has always been getting now. It wasn't the coat of many colors, but his coat and his jacket has always been getting him in trouble. First with his brothers, now with this skank woman, right? And so, <laughs> uh, I'm having I'm having fun now. I'm having fun, right? That's okay. So he ran away from. Potiphar's wife, and guess what she had in her hands? Right, his coat. And so she cried rape and accused him of raping her when he did the right thing. Talk about rape, so throw your hands up in the air and say, what's First, my brothers betrayed me, sold me into slavery. Now I'm a slave in in Egypt to the captain of the guard, and I'm doing the best I can, and I'm resisting the sexual temptation, and now I'm falsely accused. And yet, Joseph learned to endure. And what happened, of course, is they believed the woman, and they threw the slave into jail. And not just jail, I'm talking dungeon pit not American j- jails with air conditioning and cable TV, friends. I'm talking for real, nasty dungeon prison. And he was thrown in to jail. Joseph had to learn to endure hardships. And friends, can I put this out to you? Instead of giving up, endurance causes us to give it to God. I'm going to say this one more time. I could have been like Pastor Josh last week and threw my name like that quote was from me. Where is it at? Did you not put it up there, baby? My quote, instead of giving up, endurance causes us to give it to God. <gasps> Pastor Josh was rushing. That's okay. Y'all need to write that one down. Instead of giving up, endurance causes us to give it to God. And that's what endurance does. Because why? Because when we endure, God perfects our character. Amen. When we endure, God perfects our character. Second Timothy two, three and four says, endure suffering along with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Soldiers don't get tied up in the affairs of civilian life for they cannot please the officer who enlisted them. God allowed Joseph to endure hardship because God was working on Joseph's character. God will give us dreams, friends, but he will never fulfill the dreams God gives us unless we allow him to work on our character. And our character has worked on best when we go through things. Your suffering can be your strength if you learn from it. Listen, if everything came easy all the time, then we would be a bunch of entitled brats, spoiled brats that would not know how to work hard or have a work ethic or have character. That's why as parents, we can't just always help our kids out when they're in crisis. Sometimes they got to get that D because they didn't study. One of my kids learned that the hard way this year. <laughs> and then guess what? You're going, to be in, you're going to come home and there's going to be a punishment for it. So you better figure that out real quick and I'm not going to be writing a paper for you. You got to figure it out. Listen, friends, we get to a place sometimes where we want someone to come in and rescue us every time we get ourselves into trouble where God's saying, I'm allowing this trouble to happen so that your character can be perfected in me, so that you can be more like Christ. The Bible says that Jesus even learned obedience through the things he suffered, friends. Suffering is is part of God. It's part of what God uses to perfect our character. Is it fun? No, it's not fun, but God perfects our character through that. And he makes us more like him. That's why the scriptures we use in the video beforehand, James chapter one, is that consider it pure joy when you go through trials of many kind, because eventually it does produce godly character in your life, friends. So Joseph had to learn to endure and then he also had to learn, and I'm using my creative license for this X one here, as an example to others. Oh, y'all like my creative license here? Yes, he had to learn to be an example to others. I couldn't think of an X word, y'all, so we just, we just put EX. <laughs> Joseph had incredible character, and that was an example to others. Listen, friends, Joseph could have been in that prison, complaining and whining, You know, the Bible says to do all things without complaining and whining. That's a scripture we say a lot in the Hester household. (laughs) Do all things without complaining and arguing and whining and all that stuff. We're supposed to be, uh, we're supposed to have the attitudes of Christ Jesus and shine like the stars in the universe. He could have been in prison. I mean, falsely accused and thrown into prison. A lot of people are in prison because they done did something stupid and they're complaining and whining. But he was falsely accused and and learned uh, to allow God to perfect his character. And so he was in prison. Could have been all Mo Mo was me. And I believe this is where a real test came. He was in prison, and he could have just said, you know what? Forget God. Forget my brothers. Forget Potiphar. Forget his wife. Forget Egypt. Forget all this stuff. I'm just going to rot with a bad attitude and die. I don't even care. But instead, he still honored God. And God used him even in prison. Friends, sometimes when you are in the deepest darkness in your life, God can still use you. Sometimes where you feel like you are bound and there is nothing and you're not even walking into freedom yourself, God can still use you. And sometimes it's in those places in your life where you feel the most hurt and darkness and loneliness and and, uh, by yourself that God wants to do the biggest miracle. And that's what happened to Joseph. He was in prison and and two two others came to prison. It was Potiphar's cupbearer and Potiphar, or not Potiphar, excuse me, Pharaoh's (coughs) cupbearer. and his baker and they start to have dreams now joseph understood dreams because joseph had dreams right but this time he interpreted dreams of two other officials of pharaoh and he interpreted them correctly he said the cupbearer was going to be restored to pharaoh's palace and the baker would die and it came to pass, just like Joseph said, but when it came to pass, guess he told he told them, Hey, remember me when these things come to pass, but they didn't remember. They were happy about the freedom and forgot about lonely Joseph in the prison. He could have been super bitter, right? He could have been super bitter, super mad. Like God, you give me the, you give me these dreams and look where it puts me. You give me the ability to interpret dreams and look what it puts me. But instead he kept his attitude, trusting the Lord. And eventually the cupbearer remembered Joseph when Pharaoh himself began to have some dreams and all the wise men and all the musicians in the, the palace and in the country could not interpret Pharaoh's dreams. And the cupbearer said, please forgive me. There is one other. He's in prison. He's a H- Hebrew slave. His name is Joseph. And Joseph was taken out of prison and, and, and brought before the Pharaoh. And listen, friends, this was God's hand on his life. He interpreted his dream, you will have seven years of famine, but you will also have seven years of plenty. And God used that ability, that gift that was finally completely surrendered to the Lord and his character perfected. And at this place, God elevates Joseph to second in command after the king, after Pharaoh. And God, but I don't think that would have happened, friends, if he did not already learn to be an example by his attitude. In prison and being falsely accused and never giving up hope and so Joseph's character and work ethic is an example to everyone to follow can we say the same thing about our character can we say the same thing about our work ethic see because second Corinthians 11 1 says this follow my example as I follow the example of Christ Joseph learned to allow others to follow his example as he followed God, we must learn to do the same. Can we say we are the kind of Christians we wish others would emulate? Because if not, then I would encourage you to go before the Lord and say, God, what's in me that, that needs to change because I don't want other people to have what I have. Because as Christians, we should want others to have what we have. We should want others to follow our example as we follow the example of Christ. And if we can't say that, friends, then we need to go before the Lord and ask him to do a good work in us because maybe there's some character that still needs to be perfected. So finally, the last thing I want to talk to you about with Joseph is that he dealt with his, his and his big, biggest obstacle is that he really wanted to, when he really wanted to throw up his hands in the air and say, what's next, God, is he had to learn to stand the test, how to stand the test. So during the seven years of famine, his brother's, came to Egypt, right? The brothers who did what? They sold them into slavery. But now they're hungry, and, they're, and their dad says, go to Egypt and get us some grain, get us some bread, right? So they hated Joseph so much they wanted to kill him, but they settled for just throwing them in, uh, putting him into slavery, right? So this biggest obstacle, this biggest test here is when Joseph saw his brothers, friends, I believe that was the biggest test because if God didn't already work on his character, if God didn't already work forgiveness through him, now is the time that it would, it would come out and, and, and be there for everyone to see. Joseph could have allowed offense. He could have allowed offense to ruin his life. And friends, we sometimes allow offense to ruin our life for things way less than what Joseph went through. Someone didn't speak to us at church, so now we're offended and we're going to another church. How are you ever going to grow when you just keep hopping from one place to another? I'm going to tell you right now, kids who go from one elementary school, elementary school to another elementary school to another elementary school to another elementary school are kids who usually struggle. Now, I understand if it's, you know, a few years and God's, you know, army families or people who are moving or whatever, that's different. But I'm talking about ones who aren't, their families aren't stable. And you see it affect their kids because they're going from one school to another school to another school. And they're not growing because their teachers are constantly changing. Friends, it's the same thing with us as, as Christians. If we want to grow, the Bible says, bloom where you're planted. But oftentimes we, well, things just didn't go how we thought it was going to go, so peace out. And we get offended over little things. And yet Joseph really endured some things, some real things. I'm talking betrayal from his brothers. I'm talking slavery. I'm talking uh, falsely accused, imprisoned. And yet he allowed God to work on his character, and he never lost hope. And now he sees his brothers who started it all, Right? The biggest test he could have been embittered he could have hated them he could have sat in prison and thought if I ever see them I'm gonna kill them he might have thought it but he obviously gave it over to the Lord he gave it over to the Lord one lady in our Bible study Wednesday night when we were talking about this a few weeks ago said well you know what Joseph did have a little bit of fun with his brothers and and for those who aren't familiar with the story I'm gonna paraphrase it so What happened is the famine was so bad in the land, the 10 older brothers came to Egypt to buy grain. And when people came to buy grain, they guess what they had to do before Joseph. He was the second in command. Basically, he was the vice president of Egypt, right? And really not president. It's kind of like a kingship, right? A dictatorship. They had to bow down. What happened right then? His dream came true. His dream came true. It was fulfilled. They had to bow down. Right then, he could have said off with their heads, right? <laughs> they were already bowed down. He had all his people psh, 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 off with your heads. But God did a work in them. But he still had a little bit of fun. So he recognized them right away. But instead of letting him, them know, see, he was a boy pretty much when he was sold into slavery. Only 17, right? Didn't have facial hair yet, right? Didn't have his muscles quite grown. With. You know how it is when, when you have children that they, they go through puberty. He wasn't quite there yet. So they didn't recognize him, not to mention he's dressed like an Egyptian and he's speaking a different language. And so he didn't reveal himself to them. He messed with them for just a little bit. He had some fun. Yeah, he did. And so, matter of fact, he, he was harsh to them, pretended that he didn't know him, and he actually put them in custody for three days. All ten of them, boy. They're like, how you like it. Right? <laughs> So then he came up with this master plan to, to let them out, but they had to go back and get the younger brother. The one that was just Benjamin, who was his full brother. The rest of them are half brothers. Okay. So he came up with this master plan, but he said, I'm going to keep Simeon back. I'm going to keep him back, but, and you can go get Benjamin. And when you bring Benjamin back here, then I will free Simeon because uh, he basically said, I don't believe you. And I think he chose that one on purpose. I think that one was probably the biggest jerk of all of them. I do, I think, and, and you go back and read some things that he, that he did. I mean, he killed a whole town one time for messing with his sister. I mean, I think he probably was the biggest jerk. I think he was the one who punked on him and messed with Joseph the most. And he was like, oh, I'm keeping him back. Yeah, what? And so he was messing with them just a little bit, you know? And so they had to go back, and boy, Jacob, their, their father, was mad. First you, you, you lose Joseph, and now Simeon, and now you want to take my baby? You know how it is with babies. Who, who I can't help it. I got a baby. We all if you have more than one kid, then you got a baby. And sometimes that baby, oh, they just I was getting my sermon ready last night, right? I usually go in my back room and I get my prayer on and all this stuff. But my baby couldn't fall asleep. And so he kept coming in the room and he's like, Mommy, I want you to sleep with me. I skilled. I need you to sleep with me. And so Eventually, I just got up. I said, okay, I'll just get my sermon together upstairs. Took my laptop. I was praying. I went upstairs. And Josh called me a sucker as I'm walking up the stairs. Oh, my goodness. You just let him wrap you. On? Hey, he's only—he's going to kindergarten next year. He's only my baby for so much longer, right? But So can you imagine Jacob where he's, at, where he's at? He's like, oh, no, you've already lost two of my sons, and now you want my baby? Oh, no. And so he, they had a little bit of food. Joseph gave him some food, but not enough to last. He knew they were going to have to come back, right? And he knew he had Simeon there. And so eventually their food ran out and Jacob finally granted them permission to go back. And Judah said, listen, I will be held personally accountable if I do not bring Benjamin back to you. And so he uh, went ahead and said, go, you know, go get some food. And so they're back on their way to Egypt, right? You think at this point, Joseph would be like, finally, like, I'm your brother. Nope, nope. He messed with them just a little bit longer, right? So they they got there, he freed Simeon, he gave a big feast for all of them, and then Benjamin had five times the amount as the rest of them, you know, and Benjamin was quite, he was younger than Joseph, Joseph was only 17, so you know how probably happy he was to see his his, his full brother and, you know, the one, the only one of his brothers that didn't sell him into slavery, you know, Um, (laughs) and so he gave him five times the amount, but then he went and sent them on the way, and he put their money back into their bag, and they didn't realize it. And, and uh, or, or no, he put a cup in, into uh, Benjamin's bag, right? And so he brought them all back. He sent his guards after him, brought all the brothers back, and said, Whoever has stolen my silver cup, they're going to go in prison, right? And so they, they opened all the bags, and guess who had it? Benjamin. He's testing. At this point, Joseph is testing his brothers to see if his brothers had changed. And all the brothers, no, don't take Benjamin. Don't take Benjamin. And Judah's like, take me. Don't take the boy. And he goes on and explains the whole story. My, he's my, the youngest, the only one left of his mother. My, my dad would die. he bring his gray head. I mean, and he's seeing, wow, they've really changed. And so Joseph was testing his brothers to see if they had changed. But friends, God was testing Joseph to see if he really forgave them. Friends, when we go through things and the hardest things we go through, the test that we go through is because God wants to see what we're made of. Do, and the Bible says that he actually, in the Old Testament, that he tested people's hearts. To see what was truly in them. Because it's easy to serve God when everything's going good and all the bills are paid and all the money's coming and there's no sickness in our house and all of our kids are doing good. But when one of them starts to rebel, when we lose a job, when we deal with sickness, that's when the test of your faith comes. Joseph finally revealed himself to his brothers. And what Joseph said to his brothers when he revealed his true identity proved. That Joseph passed the test and that he truly forgave them. In Genesis 45, 4 through 8, then Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. And when they had done so, he said, I am your brother, Joseph, the one you sold into slave, into Egypt. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourself for selling me here because it was to save wives that God sent me ahead of you friends sometimes you go through things and sometimes you can be angry and bitter towards people and think it was their faults but God allows things to happen because he wants to use your test as a testimony he wants to use the things that you go through to save lives friends for two years it says for two years now there has been a famine in the land and for the next five years there will be no plowing and no reaping but God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by this great deliverance. So then it was not you who sent me here, but God. Do you see how Joseph's heart had changed. It was not you who sent me here, he says, to his brothers who sold him into slavery, but God. Friends, sometimes we go through things and we want to be frustrated at the systems that put us in those things. We want to be bitter still as grown people towards our parents, our dad who wasn't there, our mom who abandoned us. We want to be upset about the the husband that we married that was no good. We want to be upset about our childhood and we're in our 30s and 40s, sometimes in our 50s, still bitter towards things. Friends, we need to let it go because God allows things to happen so that his character can be perfected. God allows things to happen in our life so that we can love him not just in the good times but in the bad times too, friends. Friends, sometimes our biggest tests are put there by the ones we love the most. Come on. God uses family to refine us. He uses marriage to refine us. He uses our children, our parents, our siblings, even our in-laws. God will use, <laughs> especially our in-laws sometimes, right? God will use These things to refine us, to make us more like him. Can we truly love God? Can we truly forgive? Can we let go of bitterness? Can we let go of offense? See, when my kids fight with each other, I remind them of this scripture in 1 John 4.20. It says, whoever claims to love God yet hates his brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother or sister who they have seen cannot love God who they have not seen. hmm I remind my kids that when they want to bicker and fight about things. How, I'm like, you remember that time we just, that special time we just had with God? How are you yelling at and, and mad at your, your sibling who you see, right? But sometimes we, we're the same way as adults. We're like, God, I love you, and we're praising him, but then someone does something, doesn't text us back right away, doesn't like our Facebook page. Come on, we've become so surfacey, <laughs> we've, become, we've become so shallow as Americans and Western Christians that we've got to get to a place to say, man, I truly love, I truly forgive. I'm going to let it go. We've got to let go of all bitterness, rage, and truly forgive. Forgiveness is a test we all need to pass. Let me say this again. Forgiveness is a test we all have to pass because God says, unless you forgive others, you will not be forgiven. It's a test we all have to pass, friends. Even when people don't deserve the forgiveness, we have to forgive anyway. Man, that's hard. If Joseph can do it, his life is an example for all of us. We can do it. I want to end with this scripture. It's James 1, 12. It says, Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, having what? Stood the test. That person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Friends, I want to encourage you in this. I want to encourage you in this. A lot of times, we want the crown. We want want the winning championship. We want... (laughs) the prize but we don't want to get in the race you can't have the prize if you don't get in the race you can't have the crown unless you endure to the end let the lord do a work on you would you stand to your feet with me today i love the life of joseph joseph had a he had to die to to not just his flesh and to his sin but he had to die to his very dreams friends we all do If you would just close your eyes for a minute, if you would focus on the Lord. There are some of you that are in here that are dealing with unforgiveness and the Lord wants you to let that go. Maybe you don't even realize that's what it is. Maybe you just have this hurt or bitterness towards someone who has done something to you and you know you feel the Holy Spirit on you right now just dealing with you. If that's you today, you know the Holy Spirit's dealing with you to forgive and to let go. Would you raise your hand before the Lord? yes 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 right now in your seat with me would you say God I choose to forgive I choose to let it go I choose to release that person to you there was a time that the Lord made me release several people that I was holding on to bitterness and unforgiveness to. And I remember I had to say their names out loud and said, God, they're yours. I release them to to you. And now there's not that bitterness or or, or harshness when I see them. If 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 there are specific people coming to your mind right now, right where you're at, just whisper their names to the Lord. He can hear you. Just whisper their names to the Lord. God, I release this person. Say, I release them to you, God. I give them to you, Lord. I do not hold on to their bitterness. I am not going to be a prisoner of bitterness any longer. I feel like the Lord is just kind of uh, right now, even now, he's opening prison doors. And this is what I'm going to ask you to do. If you feel that, I'm going to ask you to walk right up here. If you feel God is, and this is going to be your deliverance. If you feel he's opening prison doors right now, there's some, it doesn't matter who you are in this place. If you feel there's some unforgiveness you hold in your heart and you just release them. And you feel like the Lord right now is opening that door for you to walk in freedom. Would you come right up here? Take a step of faith today, friends. Come right up here. Jesus, I surrender. Come on, scoot scoot a little up to the top here, friends, up here. I surrender. I surrender. Friends, I also believe there's some people in here today that they have a dream. They have a vision. There's, there's something in their heart that they know that God has called them to do. And they've been discouraged along the way because it hasn't happened the way they thought it would. If that's you today, would you raise your hand before the Lord? don't lose hope don't lose hope don't lose hope would you come up here too we want to pray for you sometimes it's that step of faith if you would get up out of your seat and come on up we want to pray for you we want to pray for you we're gonna sing this song before the Lord today and if you would just be patient for just a minute don't all dash out the door at once because God wants to do something in the hearts of people a prayer team already if you could come up get some oil we're gonna anoint you we're gonna pray for you God wants to do a work but I want to speak a prayer over everybody. Could you, everybody just lift their hands before the Lord. Heavenly Father, I just speak a blessing over your people today, Lord. God, I thank you've called them to be the head and not the tail. God, I thank you that you've called them to have Christ-like character and a christ-like attitude even through hard times Lord god every single person who is struggling every single person who's discouraged god i pray that you would lift their spirits that you would lift their head today that they would walk out of this place Lord god empowered by your holy spirit to do what you've called them to do lord fill them and touch them with your love today in jesus name